it's been such a wonderful gift to come back to the Northwest. It does feel like home. And, uh, and so and thank you so much. You guys have been such a wonderful gift to my family and uh, continue to see you as a wonderful a gift and opportunity to, to work together, to praise God together, to serve our Savior. And that's such a blessing is rubbing elbows together. And uh, I had a wonderful opportunity to see the, the Bible quizzing yesterday. That was fun and uh, spent some time together. Look forward uh, to spending more time with you all. And so uh, please uh, don't be shy. Um, come knock on my door. Uh, come find me. Call me and um, set up a time. I'd love to visit uh, at your home. Uh, having coffee is always good. My wife loves coffee. I think she, that's her fuel. And uh, mine is people. So the more people I'm around, the more energy I have. That in the Word of God. Isn't that great? If you're open to Romans, we're going to spend some time together there and continue to pray for one another. We're going to spend time looking at what is the gospel. What a wonderful opportunity to do that and share communion together, talk about camp ministry together. Uh, where the gospel is proclaimed, the word of God is proclaimed. And we're going to be all over the place for the next five weeks defining that. So we're not going to do what you think and just talk about what is, how do you lead somebody to Christ. We're going to talk about so much deeper than that and then so much broader than that. And we're going to be looking at the gospel for some time because it is amazing. It's so amazing. Look at what Paul says about the gospel. If you are in Romans chapter 1, fast forward to verse 16. He says, For I, it's personal to him, I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is, that's, that's pretty important, right? It is, the gospel is, the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's pretty amazing. I am not ashamed. And, you know, as a, as a Jew, as a former Pharisee, a legalist, he was the lawyer, he, was, he knew all the laws. Um, in, our, in the time of Roman occupation, in the time during that world, to say that I am not ashamed of something is powerful. And to say that the power to say that statement is the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God. There are so many things we could just, we could probably talk, or I could, talk about that statement alone. Power is important, right? I mean, we all would love to have a race car, wouldn't we? Some of us, maybe. Uh, you know... And my wife, she, wants, she would rather have the big truck with the big tires so she could just run the race car over. That's, uh, that's, who she, that's what she would like. Uh, but a race car is amazing. I got to, uh, when I was down in Eureka, we got to, uh, we had a guy in the church that owned race cars. And so I got to race during some races, and it was fun. And I didn't crash, so that was even better. But it's wonderful to have a race car or to have a fast car as long as you have an engine, right? 
it's horrible to go into a race car and turn it over and nothing happens. That's horrible. Or to push down on the gas and you only go like five miles an hour. You know, like some of those go-karts? Everybody's driving around like they're racing, and then, but they're only going five miles an hour. That's why everybody's just running into each other. Because <laughs> you can't go fast. But that's not what Paul is staying here, saying here. He is not empty. He is full of power, and it comes through the gospel. So that's why as we look at this, what is the gospel and reclaiming our identity, because our identity is, comes through the gospel. And so that is so important. If you like to take notes, and I apologize, I didn't get the PowerPoint in. I'm still getting organized, and the, the sickness knocked me off kilter and all of that stuff. It was a wonderful but fast week this week. But we'll have PowerPoint next week. If you like to take notes, we're going to be looking at four things. We're going to be looking at the gospel belongs to God. We're going to be looking at not only the gospel belongs to God, but it separates. The gospel separates. And uh, that's the bold portion in your notes. And then the gospel is a completed promise. We have a promise fulfilled through the gospel. And then the gospel is... Jesus. Those are the four things that we'll look at as we go through. Identity is crucial, isn't it? Identity helps us to understand ourselves, and it helps us to understand a lot of things. If we don't identify with something, or if we don't have an identity, we can struggle. We look at the world around us, they're looking for peace, right? They're looking for something. Many people are looking so hard, but yet they're so empty. They don't know where their identity is. They create identities. We have new terms popping up every day about how people identify themselves. Facebook is having a hard time keeping up with it. It's going so fast that even Facebook can't keep up with it. But the awesome thing is, is when we look at what is the gospel, we really find our true identity. Because... The importance of that is because identity impacts our opinions. It impacts our opinions. It impacts our attitude. How we identify ourselves changes our opinions. It gives us opinions. It changes our attitude. Sometimes it gives us a little attitude, doesn't it? Not only that, but it changes our desires. How we identify, what we see ourselves as really does change our desire. It also dictates how and who we love. Doesn't it not? It's important. I'll never forget when we took a missions trip to Poland. It was a, my wife went, uh, and she went ahead, and I stayed, and we did a wedding, and then I followed two days later. And we got to Poland, and... She didn't realize some of my family dynamics, or she always wondered, you know, my identify, how I identified things, and how I loved so much butter and so much bread, and I never gained weight, and it always frustrated her. And I just, I eat like a stick of butter every other day or so. Costco's my friend because they get big chunks of butter. 
So I used to steal butter. People stole cookies. People stole candy. I stole butter as a kid. I was a well-oiled machine. Um, but we, I got to, I landed, I got on a train, I got to the church where we were staying in Poland, and she came up to me, she's, she's like, I now I get it. And I said, what do you get? She goes, I understand you so much better. And because my family came from the area where we were visiting in Poland, my dad, uh, or my grandfather and, and great-grandfather, my great-grandfather, they came from the very corner of Poland. We were either German, Polish, or Ukrainian, Russian. Depending on the war, we identified as one of those nations. But the thing that was amazing was every, I, I looked like everybody when we were there. Everybody talked to me in Polish. Not the rest of the team. They always tried to speak, uh, you know, English with them, but they always spoke Polish to me. And she goes, they eat everything that you eat. <laughs> There's two sticks of butter on the table and a big loaf of bread every meal. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner. Two sticks of And I was just in heaven. <laughs> but if you look at verse 1, look at Paul's identity. Paul, a servant of Christ. Not only a servant, but called to be called out of something. To be set apart for the gospel of God. And we look at, as we identify the gospel, the very first thing you need to realize when we look at this identity that Paul now has, and that we have through Christ, is, is that it belongs to God. This is an amazing description of the gospel. It, the gospel is the good news, but it belongs to God. It's the good news that's from God. To understand our identity, we need to know where we came from. You know what? It, the gospel didn't just come out of the New Testament. It has been God's plan from the very beginning. The gospel didn't just happen in because of Christ dying on the cross for our sins. It happened before creation. John 1.1, 1, 1. in the beginning was the Word, right? The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word created. If you go to Colossians, the, God's creation plan was and has always been Christ, about Christ, about his salvation through the gospel. The gospel has always belonged to God. It started with him. I like what it says in 1 Peter. It says, concerning this salvation, 1 Peter 1.10, that the prophets prophesied, that they talked about all through the Old Testament. Not only that, but if you go to the end of verse 12, it says, the things which the angels longed to look at. They longed for. The angels didn't even know how the gospel, how this was going to unfold, but they knew it existed. But we have the gospel. We know this great mystery. The good news has always started with God, been about God. It has belonged to God. The gospel started with God. 
It arranged originated with him. It came out from God. It was given by God. It was directed by God. The gospel is God's. And that sounds very simple, doesn't it? We should understand that. But it is extremely profound because Satan wants us to add to the gospel, change the gospel, not see the gospel for what it really is and who it really originated with. Satan would love for us to take the gospel for granted. You know, if there's so many things that have defined the gospel over the years, but this one simple thing that the gospel belongs to God is so profound. Why is it so important? Because the gospel changes if you add stuff to it. The gospel focus, how you present the gospel, changes the gospel. If you don't keep it belonging to God. Because there's the gospel of forgiveness. People are like, well, all you, you need to be forgiven by God. And they share the gospel with the forgiveness in mind. And forgiveness is great. It's part of the gospel. It's the benefit of the gospel. It's the good news about the gospel that we're forgiven. But sometimes we focus not on Christ, not on his death, not on his burial, not on his resurrection. We focus on that. We just want forgiveness. The world is desperately looking for forgiveness. And they just want, they're like, great, God will deal with my guilt. And so I'm going to like God because he'll deal with my guilt. And so the reason for God is just to deal with my guilt. But it's not the gospel. We have the social gospel that, oh, God will just meet all my needs. He'll give me everything I want. And we treat God that way. So you know what happens is that creates Christians, um, sometimes it creates a Christian, sometimes it doesn't. But they create a needy Christian who's never satisfied, who's running around looking for a church that will make sure and give them everything that they want. But they're always hurting. They're always hurting. They don't understand the power Paul says in that statement in verse 16. We have the consumer gospel, the right gospel. I've seen this. That's where we have to be. We know the gospel because we know what every word means in the original Greek and the Aramaic and how it translates into the Hebrew. And we have all of that. We fill our head with all this knowledge, right? And it's all about knowledge. We've seen that kind of gospel. But it's amazing. We have people who know stuff, but their heart is far from God. And then you have God's gospel, the kingdom gospel. And it creates an activist Christian that's full of power, who shares the gospel, who's following Jesus, who he doesn't care how hard life is because he's saved. He belongs to God because the gospel belongs to God. That's the gospel we want. And if you notice, the gospel separates, right? And I'm not meaning separates like we will never be a part of the world, we'll never see the world. That's not what I'm talking about. But you notice that in verse 1, he says, set apart for the gospel. The gospel becomes a dividing line. You know, when you drive on a freeway, how many people like the middle of the freeway with a guardrail? I do. Because I, I like that big medium. When we lived in Eureka, we would have frequently people were, 
because we didn't have a guardrail in the middle of the freeway and parts of 101. And guess what people would do in the middle of the night? They would cross over into oncoming traffic, not realizing they were driving on the wrong side of the road. I don't know if they thought they were British or what the deal was, but they have headlights. I don't get it, but they were always driving on the wrong side of the road, and they would run into semis. They would run into each other, and there was always these fatal accidents. Having that dividing line is pretty important, isn't it? It separates. It helps us to get where we're going safely. The gospel does that. The gospel separates. Think about in Acts 9, right? What happened to Paul? He was on the road to Damascus, and his name was Saul. And what what happened? Who did he meet? He met Jesus. They're like, oh, yeah, Jesus, you're great. You're going to meet all my needs. Is that what he said? <laughs> no. He, he fell flat on his face. And, he, and it's interesting. I've, I, I always love this part. He goes, who are you? And then he says, Lord. He had an idea, right? It threw him to the ground, and he's like, but Saul separated from his old life, and he became Paul, and he immediately started a new life. You say, well, why is that important when we think about the gospel? Don't underestimate this phrase, set apart for the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5.17 lets us understand how important that is because it says we are a new creation in Christ Jesus, right? Through Christ, we are made new. The old is gone. Aren't you glad that when your sins are forgiven, that they're gone in Christ's eyes? Couldn't God said, well, I want you to go around it and I want you to flash everybody your sin before I forgive you. Couldn't have God demanded that? It's his gospel. He could have done whatever he wanted, but he forgave you and he makes you a new creation. That is such a blessing, folks. I am so thankful that he put a dividing line between my old life and he gave me a new life in Christ. My life is not worth that much. (laughs) You know, it's not like none of our lives are worth that much, but Christ is amazing, is he not? That's where our power is. It's in that new life that came through the gospel. Paul is saying that here to the Romans. He's like, look, guys, I was, I was set apart. I'm changed. I'm different. I have a new drive. I'm not any longer a Pharisee. I, I'm no longer about the law. I am about Christ. He had a new identity. It's so amazing. Not only that, but guess what? He had, he says it's which he promised, the gospel, which he promised, verse 2. The gospel is a completed promise. Starting in Genesis, we hear about the promise of, of the one who would, who would crush Satan's head. Isn't that a great promise? One day we will physically get to see that happen where Christ returns and he destroys Satan once and for all. And that, 
I mean, who cares if we're going to fight with him? We get to see it happen. Him conquer. He has been able to conquer my sin. That promise that he would do that. That he would give me the power to be free of my sin. That's pretty amazing. We have that in through the gospel. Isn't that great news? Guys, that's amazing news. He has showed us his graciousness in not giving what we deserve. Right? None of us, if we are honest, we don't deserve anything that God has given us. We don't deserve the gospel. Paul would tell you that. He was a persecutor. He destroyed Christians. He murdered Christians. He was on the road to Damascus, right, to destroy Christians, but God had another plan. I was headed down that road as a sinner who deserved death, but by the grace of God, he took me to a different road. He separated me and saved me. The gospel is Christ. Look at verse 3. Concerning his son, he was set apart for the gospel which he had promised beforehand, which concerns his son. There is no gospel without Christ, right? It belongs to God, who, by the way, is Christ. Without Christ, there is no gospel. In the beginning, it says in Mark 1.1, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. 1 Corinthians 1.17, Galatians 1.6, I like that in verse 7, it says, not that there is another one, another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel, the gospel of Christ. The gospel. Christ is the gospel. We're called to Christ through the gospel. We can't have a gospel without Christ. Without his death, there is no good news, is there? Without his resurrection, there's no good news. Otherwise, he'd just be like us. We'd have to pay for our sins. We would die, and that would be it. But he conquered death. That is amazing. The gospel, praise the Lord, doesn't start with us. It starts with God. It starts with Christ. You know, a lot of times the world is looking for, the world around us, guys, they're looking for stuff. They need an identity. There's identity crisis everywhere in our schools, in our society. Everywhere we look, there's an identity crisis. But we have the gospel the good news that comes from God. It is Christ, our Lord, our Savior. It's through this, it says in verse 5, and through Him whom we have received grace. Grace. Christ. He became flesh. He died. He arose. He's alive. And He's living. He is. That's why the gospel is powerful. And he wants to live through you. He wants to live through you. That is the identity that we need to claim every day. The good news is this, that God offered us his life, a payment 
He created, can you believe that? He created us and then paid for us. Right? How many of you would build a house and then pay for it back? Right? I'm looking for a house. I don't know if I would, you know, buy a house, give it away, and then pay for it a second time. That would be crazy, wouldn't it? That's bad business. But for us, it's, this is amazing news, guys. God offered to us his life as a payment to use as a way to escape God's wrath so we would have peace with God, to be reconciled to God. To, he took care of our accounts. I don't know, all of us would like to have God as an accountant, right? I wipe away all your debt and then I give you everything. Wouldn't that be a great accountant? I'm looking for one. But I love God is our, the ultimate accountant. He said, I'm going to reconcile your accounts. I'm going to pay off your debt, and then I'm going to give you my life, and you have everything that I have. That is good news. That's the gospel. All you have to do is respond. All you have to do is repent and believe. Trust in me. You say, Pastor, why are we focusing on the gospel? We hear it all the time. I don't want us to make light of this. As we look at and we start building a foundation and we start reaching out to our community more and more and we talk to our neighbors, may we realize that the, what is the gospel? It is God's good news. Why is this important? Look at verse 5 again. Look at what, it, what Paul says here to the Romans. Through whom we've received this grace and apostleship, that means to be set apart for ministry, that this apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. Why is it important? Because God's gospel brings about obedience. It allows us to have the power to be obedient, to be to have faith. I hear people say sometimes, I just, Pastor, I just don't have that much faith. Then you're not being powered by the gospel. Because the power of the gospel is great faith. Do you know how, I, I'm not an evangelist, but it's amazing how many times I've been able to lead people to Christ. And it's not because I'm an evangelist. I've never persuaded somebody I've pleaded, but I've never persuaded. I've never won an argument to lead somebody to Christ. Most of the time I quote scripture, read scripture, and they're like, wow, I get it. I need Christ. Thank you. And, and, and I let them pray, and they pray. They, they, they put me to shame. They pray some of the most amazing prayers of just repentance and trust and faith in Christ. And they go out and... I've seen some of the people that I have led to the Lord. They have led somebody to the Lord within that first week. What makes them so different than the rest of us who struggle with leading people to the Lord? Because their obedience and faith is driven by the good news they just received. It's important to understand that. Don't put the gospel on the shelf. Put it wherever you can, in you. 
through, let it live through you. Let it control you. Why? Right there it says, for his name's sake among the nations. So that way we can share with others this great news. If the, if the gospel is such a great news to you, you won't, the, the gospel will come up, the good news of what God has done for you. It's not about knowing all the right words and definitions to the words in Scripture. It's just about knowing what Jesus did for you. That God sent His Son, right, to pay for your sin so you'll have peace with God. Right? Without it, His death, burial, and resurrection, you have no peace. Let's end as we go to communion. And what controls you? Let's ask that question. What controls you? Is it the gospel? What desires do you have? Is it the gospel? Listen to what Paul says to the Corinthian church, because they struggled, right? The Corinthian church struggled with the gospel. They struggled with ministry. They, they struggled with their culture around them. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 16. He says, for the love of Christ, which is the gospel, the good news. The love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. That's our former life, right? In sin. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him for him for who for their sakes died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. Although once, all of us at one time just knew about God or about Jesus, but now we have a relationship with him because of the good news of the gospel. But it says, it ends with, we regard him thus no longer. 2 Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and gave us eternal comfort and good hope through grace, giving us what we didn't deserve, right? Comfort our hearts and establish them in every good work and word. May that be true of us today. Because we start from the right spot with God's gospel. Separated to do the work of God. To share that love with others. May we not hide God's love. May it control us. I hope and pray that this year that we see God's love controlling us more and more. Would you bow with me as we prepare for communion? And